my God. I hated to do that because you waited at home for 20 minutes. Oh, Jesus Christ. So we'll take more of your phone calls. No, we won't. Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Elmo's horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. ADD Jeff. Fuck you. I hate you. <laughs> Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius, more well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! La, 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 yes, it's Adam Sank, it's the Adam Sank Show. Welcome, welcome listener. Uh, it is uh, Sunday, September 17th. If you're listening on that date at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, then you are hearing a live voice coming at you from the Derek and Romaine studio in Times Square. The entire crew is here. We have... Katie, who's essentially wearing a bra. I, it, there's a lot of, of, of titty showing. Uh, we have ADD Jeff, who's bouncing off the wall. I think someone slipped him a little bit of crack right before we went on the air. Uh, JB is here. And uh, Gwendola Creme, two of our uh, comeliest interns. Both JB and Jeff are stuffing their faces. Jeff is eating sushi. JB is eating some sort of... Uh, Mexican chicken thing. What is that, JB? Chopupu. That's nice. I decided I was going to play like a real co-host and like wait till the very last minute to get here and stuff my face when I got here. Well, the studio smells like a combination of body odor, uh, sushi, and a little bit of ass. <laughs> it's uh, and not Adam Sanctuary. Yes, Queen. It's it's hot and stinky in here once again. We uh, we had a momentary lapse in Back to the, sweat the heat, and now we're sweating again. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to the winter. Um, you guys, I am just back from a fabulous, glorious weekend on Fire Island. Um, I was staying with some good friends of mine in a beautiful home uh, right in the Pines, and I believe we have some audio of my weekend recorded. Oh, fuck. Oh, oh. Fuck that ass. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, that was a little party I had in my room. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what happened. There was there was very little of that going on. In, Are um, you sure? Yes, I'm quite sure. It was I was practically a virgin this whole weekend, Jeff. <laughs> um, you know, I've never been to Fire Island. Never, not once. You in really must years, go. 11 years. For those of you who don't live here and for Jeff... Um, it's a really special place. I'm sure you've seen it in movies and heard gay people talk about it. Um, you, you take a train to a ferry to this secluded island where there are no cars and you have to walk everywhere on these little boardwalks. It's only five minutes from the ocean to the bay, so it's a tiny little strip of land 
um, gorgeous beach, gorgeous ocean. Uh, and not all of Fire Island is gay. People don't realize that. Fire Island is mostly straight, but there are two communities. Yes, but there are two communities at the uh, either the northernmost end or the easternmost end. I can never remember that are pretty exclusively gay. Cherry Grove and the Pines. Um, but there's tons of family communities too, where we don't you know. There's no. Well, nobody ever talks about those communities. We don't talk about it, but it does happen. So, um, and you go out there and you typically, you, you rent a house for either the whole summer or half a summer or just a week. And everyone puts in like a thousand bucks. Uh, it's not a thousand. It's not cheap. Wait for the, that's for the summer though. That's no, that wouldn't even cover. That wouldn't nearly cover a summer. That would cover maybe uh, a week. Cause I have a friend and she says, anytime I want to come to fire Island with her and her group of people, which is about, I don't know, eight to 12 people. But she's like, we always have open slots, and we, we charge... Splots. Slots, sorry. And we charge about $110 for the slot, and then you are obligated to bring, like, some food items or some How much do you charge for your slot, Jeff? I don't charge. Like, if you want this slot, it's all for you. No, but, I mean, does she live in one of the, the gay communities, or does she Woo-hoo! live on... Like, uh, no, I think she's actually, to your point, she's on the outskirts. She's yeah, not in have fun with that. Yeah. No, it's pricey as fuck, and everything's pricey. There's one grocery store where, like... Ice cream is $9 a carton for what? like a little tiny pint. And, you know, they get you because it is expensive to get stuff out there, too. It is an island. Everything has to be ferried to and from. Um, so it's not a place I spend a lot of time because I'm a cheap-ass, broke-ass hoe. Um, but when someone invites me to stay for free, I am happy as a pig and shit. And that's what I was this weekend. And I was very sad to have to come back this morning. But, of course, I must be here for my loyal listener, <laughs> Just the one. Charles in Cornhole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My one and only listener. Speaking of <laughs> listeners, you guys, uh, we have open phones today, 844-TALK-DNR. Oh, I guess I should open the, the phone software. Open the phone software. It does look like there is a call. Let me, let oh me my pull God. it up. Oh, my God. It's so exciting. Oh, oh. I bet it's Charles. It, it's it always Charles. Is. Hold on. Let I me, mean, no let one me else calls in. us. Oh. Stay on the line. Stay on the line. All right. Shh. 844-TALK-DNR. <gasps> Did you shush me? You can also tweet about us using hashtag ass. It is Charles. Uh, we, I have, we have our own Facebook page, The Adam Sank Show. Just type Adam Sank Show into your browser. Um, and joining us from Cornhole, Arizona, is our one and only listener, Charles. Charles, how are you today? Hey there. Well, in honor of today's honored guest, Michael Lucas, I've been raking through my extensive uh, uh DVD collection. I don't know that I've ever mentioned this to you, Adam, or not, but for a few years I reviewed... Uh, pornography for uh, DVDEmpire.com. Of course you did. For their online stuff. And, of course, it didn't pay very well. I'd get $5 for a review, but I'd get to keep the screener. Yeah. So I have a rather extensive collection, and everything I know about Fire Island, I learned from Michael Lucas's series, Fire Island Cruising, yes. Volumes 1 through 8. He is a denizen of Fire Island. He's often spotted there. And um, and has been going out there for years. So I'm I'm happy that you're listening. And yes, Charles did just sort of spill the beans. I forgot to mention at the top of the show that our in studio guest today will be porn legend Michael Lucas, uh, founder of Lucas Entertainment. He's actually celebrating 20 years uh, of Lucas Entertainment, which is kind of incredible. Oh. Yes. Does one really celebrate that? I mean, you do if you have a successful <laughs> business for 20 years. I'd be celebrating. Surprise, Fuck. motherfucker. Yeah. So Charles, no, I what don't is? Want, uh, yeah. go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, what's your favorite Michael Lucas movie? What's the one that is most spankable for you? 
Oh, actually, it, it runs the gamut. The audition series I find really interesting to watch. Charles, it wasn't the one that I was in? You know I was in one of Michael Lucas's films, right? I didn't know that. Which one? He, he, he can't remember. I can't even remember the name of it either. Oh, well, see, now, when, when Michael Lucas gets serious with some of his stuff like Dangerous Liaisons, I mean, that's got really high production values. Yeah. And, and uh, that's probably my favorite just because it's, it's a very high-end, very watchable movie. Well, what about La Dolce Vita? That's, that was the one I thought that were, was the most expensive uh, porn movie ever made. Yeah, that's true, but he did that one after he did Dangerous Liaisons, and frankly, I like Dangerous Liaisons better. I see. But, you know, but Barcelona Nights is good. Uh, Manhattan Heat with the inimitable Arpad Miklos. Oh, may poor Arpad, yes. Yeah, may he rest in peace. But that's, that's actually got some of the scenes that I think are the hottest. Now, do uh, you like the, the, the condom movies, or do you like the, oh, no, the current bareback. bareback era of Michael Lucas? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm far more a fan of condomless. B- given the fact that we've got prep nowadays. I agree. So, I agree. So. All right, well, Charles, keep listening. We are going to have Michael here uh, very shortly. Yes, We're going to talk to him about all that. Is there a question you want me to ask him? Uh, no, no, that's quite all right. I shall listen to you guys. Do your best and do your thing. Fabulous. Charles from Cornhole, thanks for calling in. My pleasure. Any other listeners want to talk to us? 844-TALK-DNR. Um... So, yes, that is what's happening on the show today, is that we have Michael, and Jeff is going to be a perfect gentleman. Of course I am. I mean, I won't try to grab his crotch or anything. Well, and also, Michael teased me by text message earlier today and said that he might wear a jockstrap during the interview. Wow. Did you wear one in return? I'm not wearing... No, I'm wearing shorts and underwear. Nobody really wants to see me in a jockstrap. But, Michael, um, if you want to see him being interviewed live here on The Ass... Um, after he comes on my ass, or in my ass, I should say, um, log into the Derek and Romaine chat room. I don't even know how to do that, but there's apparently a chat room on DerekandRomaine.com, and Jeffy monitors it. Is, is there anyone in there right now? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a bunch of people in the chat room. All right, room so now. Jeffy's going to angle his laptop toward Michael Lucas so that you can see him and maybe see some flesh. Uh, I told him definitely to dress scantily because this uh, studio is hot as balls. Poor Jeff, is, his little bald head is sweating. I'm already sweating. There are beads of sweat pouring off him. It's a sweatshop. It's going to be a hot and steamy interview. Um, you guys, I want to talk about something very serious. What is that? And uh, I hate to start the show with this topic. It's a big fucking bummer. But sometimes I talk about stuff because I feel like it's a public service and I, I actually want to try to help people if I can. So... One of the things that happened this past week was there was a uh, a well-known Broadway composer named Michael Friedman who died at the age of 41. Uh, Michael Friedman's best-known work was Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, which was a Broadway musical about the life life and presidency of Andrew Jackson. It came to Broadway years before Hamilton did, and it was uh, highly acclaimed. It didn't make a lot of money. It didn't run for very long, but it was critically acclaimed. There was a cast album that's very... Um, much beloved among Broadway aficionados. And Michael died. Um, you know, there had been no news, n- no reports that I know of that he was sick. And then suddenly they announced that he had died of AIDS-related complications. That's what they're saying in the chat room, too. And it struck a lot of people, myself included, as shocking. Because in this day and age, 
we don't hear about a lot of people in the United States dying of AIDS-related complications, um, particularly if they have access to meds and are taking their meds as directed. Um, most of us, the vast majority of us with HIV, and I include myself because I do have it, um, are living completely healthy lives without any sort of complications. And we are told by our doctors, um, you know, if for some reason the medication you're on should fail, you can switch to another of 30 others that are on the market. The, med the meds are so uh, successful nowadays that um, unless there is some underlying complication that we don't know about, unless there is a, a, someone's not taking their meds, there's a lack of adherence, maybe some, some people have addiction issues that interferes with their um, taking their medication, there may be other diseases. I don't know. I don't know Michael. I didn't know him. I, I don't mean to cast any aspersions, and I want to offer sincere condolences to anyone that, that knew him and loved him. I don't want to, you know, make anyone's grief worse. But the internet was really abuzz with this, and there was a lot of arguing back and forth. And the person I think that really gave the best response to the controversy was Peter Staley, who's uh, one of the best-known living AIDS activists. He was featured in the movie How to Survive a Plague. Peter Staley wrote in part, here's the bottom line. If you are taking your meds each day, especially the newer meds, there are now over 30 antiretrovirals on the market and 48 more in the pipeline, AIDS will not suddenly foil your efforts and strike you down. The statistics are now clear. You will most likely live a near-normal lifespan. You might have to deal with extra health-related burdens in your later years, and they will be far fewer than those of us who lived through the plague years, with periods of untreated HIV and the toxic early meds. So yes, AIDS is not over, but AIDS in New York in 2017 is not AIDS in New York in 1995. Please don't read the social media threads about Friedman's death to think that your own prospects are worse than you thought. They are not. New York State in 2014 saw 2,062 people with HIV die, quote, from any cause. So that includes accidents, getting run over by a bus. However they died, there were 2,062 of them who had HIV and died out of approximately 122,000 HIV-positive residents. Of those 2,062, only 628 died from AIDS-related causes. And again, we don't know if they were taking their meds, if they were on meds, what the underlying issues were. But think about that statistic. 122,000 HIV-positive people and 628 of them died from AIDS-related causes. So it's not that it's impossible. It's that the chances of an HIV-positive person dying of AIDS nowadays are like the chances of getting hit by a bus. So, so let me just, because, uh, I mean, I don't know if you realize it or not, you're, uh, I'm not quite clear as to what your outrage is. I, is the outrage that it was reported that his death was AIDS-related and where it didn't have to be reported that way, or, or is there some other outrage that... Well, I'm not outraged, first of all. I'm concerned. Okay. I'm concerned because we were given no other information. Okay. And it is extremely unusual in this day and age that someone is reported to have died of age-related complications, especially a 41-year-old. Right. You know, Larry Kramer is in his 80s. 
He's been living with HIV for 40 years. He's had numerous health problems, including a, a liver transplant. If they, if they announced that Larry Kramer died of age-related complications, we'd be like, of course. Right. Right? He's, he's a survivor, but it finally got to a point where he was so old and his body was so... I mean, God forbid, I love Larry Kramer. I don't want anything to happen to him. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When you announce that an otherwise seemingly healthy 41-year-old man dies of AIDS in New York City in 2017 and you don't give any other information, it sets off a panic. And Do you really think it, it sets off a panic? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I had people sending me direct messages after I, because I posted about this and I right. said, look, there's something we're not hearing. There's some part of the story that's not being told here. This isn't normal. And I had several people message me privately and say, please don't post this, but thank you because I was freaking out, mm -hmm. especially people who are newly diagnosed. You know, I've been living with this for 14 years. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm okay and I know that I'm gonna be okay, but if you're just finding out that you're pause or, or have been for the last six months or so and suddenly you hear that this right. healthy 41-year-old dies and you don't get any more information, you start flipping out. So I think that, again, it's hard without knowing what the circumstances were, but I feel like there has to be something that we're not hearing. And if you're going to tell us that he died of age-related complications, then tell us, you know, and he wasn't taking his meds or and he had cancer sure, or sure. something to explain how this could be because it is so unusual nowadays that it, that it, it, it raises, it rings alarm bells. So I didn't know about this over the weekend or whatever, but l let me just throw this out there. I'm, I'm stepping on a ledge here. Like, uh, I do have friends that because uh, the medications can treat it whenever they decide to get medicated or whatever. But, but I do have friends that are like, oh, screw it, I'm positive. But they don't go to the doctor. They don't, yeah. they don't set up their regimens. They could do, die. No, of course. And, and so, I mean, not to uh, disparage the fact that he died, I mean, but maybe saying that he died of AIDS-related complications might scare some of those people into getting medicated? That's what I'm saying. See, I'm saying if they gave, if they gave us the information, if they, if they said, for example, you know, Michael didn't believe in taking AIDS medications. Okay. He took hol holistic therapies instead. Gotcha. And he's dead now. Okay. That would be fine. Or something to explain how this happened. Other when than you, just the fact other that than it was AIDS-related. AIDS right? Okay. That's the point I'm trying to make because there are, and I will tell you that I personally know someone, more than one person, who had HIV, was a meth addict, mm -hmm. stopped taking his meds, died, and he was a fairly well-known person in certain circles. And when the obituaries came out, they all said the same thing. He had HIV. And now he's dead. Where they it gave was no other. More meth related. It was than a. It was, it was okay. a drug related yeah, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And quite honestly, meth is an epidemic that For is sure. killing members of our community. Of course. In huge numbers. Just as much as the opioid crisis. Yes. Oh, opioid. And when someone dies because they were a meth addict, or an op opioid addict, or whatever, or an alcoholic, whatever it is, which again can can make can make them not take their meds, not see their doctor, not take care of themselves. Right. And it's not reported. Not only are we terrifying people with HIV unnecessarily, but we're also not addressing the real problem, right. which is that addiction pe people are dying from addiction. Gotcha. And again, and I hate to, I have to keep saying this. I don't, I'm not saying Michael Friedman was an addict. I don't know what he yeah, was. No, 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 I get it. I don't know anything about him. I just know that this has happened before and it infuriates me. That, that's my outrage is when, is when I know for a fact 
that they didn't die specifically because of HIV, and that's what it's blamed on. No, I agree with you, and and I mean this isn't exactly the same, but like uh, my mom died of lung cancer, and yes, she was a smoker, right? But there are a lot of people that die of lung cancer that never smoked a cigarette a day in their lives, yes, right? And they get so pissed off when you're like, oh, so how many packs a day did you smoke or something like that? Like everybody assumes just because you're dying of lung cancer that that's the reason why you're dying of lung cancer. And that's not always the case. Right. So I, I, and I'm not blaming anyone. If you're an addict, I'm not blaming you right. for your problem. Addiction is a disease just like HIV. I just want good information to be out there. And um, I had people on my Facebook page who are not do not have HIV are not doctors, are not experts, and they were arguing with me saying, yes, it is possible to die of AIDS, even if you do everything right and take your meds and see your doctor, some people are just unlucky. Well, yes, some people also get struck by lightning. Right. But the point is we're talking about the numbers. And So let me ask you this then. I mean, and I'm asking this out of stupidity. Sure. But as a person living with HIV, like, do you believe, though, that the youth, the gay youth of today, like, should they still have some some measure of fear about HIV sure. as opposed to not fearing it at all. Absolutely. And that's why this is a very complicated, nuanced issue because it shouldn't be taken lightly. Right. It's a lifelong chronic disease. Nobody fucking wants that. And I, I think we have to be uh, aggressive about HIV prevention. I think that gets complicated now that we have PrEP. Mm-hmm. And so many people are barebacking and, right. you know, we'll talk to Michael Lucas about that because for many years he was a proponent, a very strong proponent and advocate for condom only sex. Right. And now, now his movies are all bareback because of prep. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a lot of information and it's probably confusing information for young gay men. Okay. But, One more I, but I think, then. but okay. I think, so I think we have to protect them yeah. and help them with prevention and with having safer sex, but I think we also have to tell people who may be HIV positive and haven't gotten tested yeah. or, or are HIV positive but are new to it and don't know what, what their prognosis is, that like you're going to be okay. Sure. Do what your doctor says. Stay healthy. Take care of yourself. It's not like you can just run amok and you know, yeah. do whatever the fuck you want, but like you're not, there's no reason why you can't live a long, normal, healthy, healthy life, life if you follow your doctor's instructions and take your meds as prescribed. Okay, so then this is my last question because I know you have other topics that you want to move on before mm-hmm. Michael Lucas. No, I appreciate your asking. But like, uh, okay, so we talked about that there should be some level of fear. Like, do you feel that the gay generation of today, like whatever gen we're calling them, gen X, gen Y, I don't know, whatever we're calling them today, the, the millennials, do they have the proper amount of fear or are they just so hell-bent and and uh, comfortable with the fact that there is PrEP or, or other meds that will help them if they are diagnosed. Well, we have, they don't have, we have, a, we have a 20-something gay man in the room, so I'd like to hear him answer that question. Okay, yeah, me too. JB, you know, wh- how do you describe your attitude towards HIV-AIDS? Turn your mic on. <laughs> My mic is on. I just okay. didn't have the volume up. But uh, of all honesty, I'm glad you said that you have HIV because I also have HIV. been okay. diagnosed for three years. And for someone, some prior to my diagnosis, I, I always had fears of it because, again, the way it was told to me was from my holistic mother who has crazy views. But <laughs> <laughs> the way it was told to me is like, if you get it, you die, and that's just it. Right. But when, when I got it, 
it's like everything has changed because I'm like I don't want to fucking die. <laughs> right. I don't want to die. I I have to I have to find out if if I do just die or if I can just fight it. Then I go get the proper information from doctors and do my own research. What and was? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to no. Go it, ahead, but, Jim. I, but I wanted to ask like, did did you have the notion that you? could potentially contract HIV when you... In other words, did you have enough information? Yeah, did you have enough yeah. information? Okay, so in my past, I was... Um, you ever see those people on the street who just hand out condoms? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was those people. Okay. Right? Uh, I got infected for, for uh, I guess, for a guy just being an asshole and yeah. not telling me the condom had to pop. So, it was, uh. so like, I was one of those people who always like believe in condom sex and like you, if it breaks, we, we stop. So that you, sucks. You, you were safe. That but sucks, okay. Shady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I, I was a safe child. Then that happened. And then there was like two years I just didn't have sex. And like I only just recently started having sex. And even with my boyfriend now, I've, I'm still a little uncomfortable like to the point I'm even getting him to start taking prep because I, I want him to be protected. Sure. I don't want him to go through what I'm going through. I so, remember the first friend that I had that finally told me he was HIV positive but like I had known him for probably like a year and a half and like uh, suspected but he had, he never came out and said like I'm HIV positive this is back in like uh, let's say 1999 almost 2000 and he you know we were out uh, at a friend's uh, beach house for the weekend and he was like I have to get home I have to get home I'm like what's what's the problem? Like, why are you freaking out? He's like, I have to take my meds. I'm like, what meds do you have to take? And he's like, I have to take my HIV meds. And I just remember like the immediate shifting of weight that just was upon me because he finally like had said it out loud. And I think he was so scared to tell me, I didn't think any differently about him, but for him, I think it was just such a, a, you know, a different thing to go through like he had to basically come out all over again like right. he had to tell his other friends that he had HIV well listen in AA they say you're only as sick as your secrets yeah. and, and it's one of my favorite slogans because I think that the this addiction uh, I'm sorry this disease and addiction um, both live in the dark and if we we keep quiet about these things and we don't talk about our status and we don't talk about prevention and also treatment and just be honest about you know, like, that's why I, I came out as HIV positive publicly, like, four or five years ago. It was scary for me. It was scary. I didn't know what people were going to think. My mother didn't like it. I'll tell you that. Right. Um, but it's the same as being gay. You know, I, I could have spent my life in the closet, but it would have been a miserable life. And this is just another closet. Um, I have a disease. It's, not, it's nothing to be ashamed of. If I had lupus... Or cancer or, you know, some other disease, I would talk about it openly. Yep. And nobody deserves HIV. Nobody deserves any disease. No, of course not. Uh, go ahead, JB. I, I feel like what, because this is my perspective, I, it's harder for me to talk to people about it because it's the stigma that goes with it. It's like, oh, you have HIV. That means you are a dirty person. Right, you you're a pig. Share, you were you irresponsible needle. somehow. Or right. Did, yeah, did like something that, yeah. I must have done something wrong. And JB is a perfect example of someone who did everything right. Of course. Yeah. And that's why you can't blame people or punish people for, for, for having HIV. But I think you bring up a really important thing, Jeff, which is that we, we have to keep focusing on prevention. And that means prep. It means condoms. It means sure. talking to your partner, having a discussion before you have sex. What are we going to do? What, what are we comfortable with? 
Um, but I also think that um, yeah, I also certain, understand certainly your point the of view. straight community needs to know that there are many of us living with HIV right. and we're not sick and we're not dying. Exactly. And our doctors tell us we, we can expect to live as long as anyone else. Yeah, I understand exactly why the, the article might have upset you. Like, they went to the lowest common denominator or the quickest thing they could have found that maybe he died from. They just didn't give us they, enough they, info. Right. That's they didn't the end the rest of the, of the that's, info. That's the bottom line. I, I, I get it. And that's I, important. I, I, I agree. Again, my condolences to the friends and family and loved ones of Michael Friedman. Um, it's a huge loss to the Broadway community, you know, but it's a loss to anyone, I'm sure, who knew him. He, By all accounts, he was a lovely person. Exactly. And I'm sorry that he's gone. I don't know what the story is. I wish I did. And um, and that's all I really wanted to say about that. We spent a long time. I know. On I'm that. so sorry. No, it's, I just I, listen, had questions. If though. you have those questions, then other people listening have those questions. So I'm glad that we cool. that you asked them because it's important. Now we're going to move on to something much lighter. I'm going to skip the whole story about anal cancer. <laughs> actually, let me let me. That wouldn't be much lighter, would it? Let me tell this story actually because it's good. It's good news. It's good news. Anal cancer. This is according to Paws Magazine. Anal cancer is finally declining. Uh, among gay and bi men who have HIV. Uh, what about hemorrhoids? The, the rate of anal cancer among men <laughs> who have sex with men, this is in Switzerland, that's where the study was done, peaked that's in 2009, so and it could decline even further if this population is treated with antiretrovirals. Again, this is about why you have to take your meds. I mean, in Switzerland, you know how tiny Switzerland is? I have a, a Swiss roommate. I call him the Swiss bitch. I mean... He tells me all the time, like, you can walk from one end of the city to the other end of the city in 20 minutes walking. Yeah, but that has nothing to do. When they do a study, it's yeah. a scientific study. They could do it anywhere. But I'm saying it's a small sample set. Shh. <laughs> I hate you. The study authors projected that if the rate of ARV, that's antiretroviral use, remains stable, the anal, anal I can't say anal, the anal, <laughs> the anal cancer rate will decline 0.059% per year, blah, blah, blah. If 100% of the group were treated for HIV from 2016 going forward, it would decline even more. Basically, treatment leads to a decline in anal cancer. And can I just say, I there's nothing worse than anal cancer. I pray <laughs> well, every day. Why do you day say that? Because Brought imagine him. it. That's what. First of all, that's what killed Farrah Fawcett. And can you imagine how horribly painful? Think about when you have a hemorrhoid. I... I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> Except instead of a hemorrhoid, it's a fucking cancerous tumor. It's terrible. Anyway, enough. Enough disease talk. We're going to talk about my favorite topic. <laughs> hot, <dick>? hot cops. <laughs> okay. Okay, you know how Florida went fucking apeshit over Hurricane Irma? Yes. Well. Are you talking about the picture of the three of them? Uh, yes. <laughs> so in Gainesville, Florida, a group selfie from, from some Florida police officers has caused a social media stir. Because? Prompting some Facebook users to inquire about their marital status and others to ask if they too can be arrested. The photo of the three Gainesville officers was posted on their department's Facebook page as Hurricane Irma lashed the state last Sunday. The caption said, quote, we're getting ready to do some work. The post produced more than 100,000 comments praising the officer's good looks. One woman wrote that she would like to turn herself in for the thoughts Me running too. through her head. Another posted, how long does it take to get from northwest Arkansas to Gainesville, Florida, asking for a friend? The department issued an update asking people to please not call 911 <laughs> to request that this group respond to your incident. Didn't you hear about 
what they found out about one of the officers? No, though? tell me everything. The front and center officer, the one that I found the most attractive, obviously, which is why it's, he's poisoned now. Is a neo-Nazi. Oh my God! He's like, Shut up. Yeah. Are you he's sure like, about this? Listen. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> this is what's on social media. I I don't know it to be true. Yeah, I, listen, I have no confirmed. I don't want to slander yes. whoever he is. Not trying to slander him. So take whatever Jeff says with a grain of salt. Of course, he's not a journalist. But from what I've heard from social media, the same social media we saw their picture on, mm. uh, it, it, it turns out he's a neo-Nazi. He doesn't well, like That kind of ruins the story. Yes. I mean, we don't like neo-Nazis one bit. But like, we I do. was going to bring my friend and my friend with big black cock over so that we could both like double team them and, you know. Your friend with queen. Your friend with big black cock? Yeah, you say it like it's a condition. Like, mom, my friend I mean, has big black cock. I mean, according to the way my black friend talks, it is a condition. He's like, yeah, BBC, big black cock. Wait, what did you say, JB? I said, that's a hot condition, yes. Isn't mean, it? It's not a bad condition to have. It's exactly. better than anal cancer. Exactly. That's for damn sure. But anyway, so whether or not one of them is a neo-Nazi, these hot cops caused quite a stir. And for anyone listening, you cannot request specific police officers when you call 911. <laughs> you just get what you get. It might be some scary lesbian. <laughs> it might be some skank. It might be a neo-Nazi. Hopefully it won't be. Right. Um, but speaking of police, in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Where? Littitz. Lit- Maybe it's pronounced Littitz, <laughs> which is Katie's nickname. It's L-I-T-I-T-Z. Police officers in the small Pennsylvania town are terrified of a certain homicidal clown. On uh, This was uh, two weeks ago. They posted photos of red balloons that a prankster had tied to a pair of sewer grates. You know why they're doing this, though, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. The, that's one of the balloons popping. Uh, a red balloon is the calling card of Pennywise, the sore-dwelling, child-eating clown in Stephen King's hor- horror novel It, which is currently uh, at theaters across the country. I'm dying to see that movie. So, so Someone had tied these red balloons to the sewer, and uh, in a Facebook post, the local police in Littitz wrote that they, while, while they admired the prankster's creativity, they were completely terrified while removing the balloons. And respectfully request that people not do that again. Police also suggest that people watch previews of the movie with the lights turned on and the volume turned low. <laughs> the police department post ends with a famous line from the book, quote, you'll float too. Everything floats here. So it could it's probably just promotion for the movie. We all float. You but, know that uh, like months before there was clown sightings that were being reported to the police station. Well, remember a few years ago there were all these scary clown sightings? Yes. And like clowns were banned from school property yes. and costume shops stopped selling clown costumes. It clowns are fucking scary, let's be honest. They are, especially when you dress like Pennywise the clown. Yeah. But they couldn't decide if it was between uh the it movie uh stuff that they were promoting or whether it was this season of American Horror Story because from what I understand, oh. I haven't seen it yet, but from what I understand there is like a, another scary clown like there was two seasons ago on American Horror Story. Well, so. the takeaway to this story is don't tie balloons to sores, you'll freak police officers out and probably <coughs> others as well. Um meanwhile, Somewhere else. Where? Somewhere in Colorado, I believe Denver. Five nurses were sternly reprimanded for ogling a dead man's magnificent penis. Why would they be reprimanded for that? Yes, queen! The Denver Health Medical Center in Colorado just came down hard on five (laughs) nurses. 
each of whom took turns sneaking glances at a dying man's genitals before, no doubt, exchanging voluminous teehees. This is according to... No, he did not ejaculate. He was dying. So they were exchanging glances while he was still alive? Yes. They were giggling at his big dick while the guy was dying. This is this story came, comes from uh, Queerty.com, and they cite the Hornet, Hornet.com. Hornetapp.com. All reputable websites. They continue to look at the penis even after he died. I mean, that's a good dick. <laughs> if you're still interested in seeing someone's dick after they're dead, if you're that's still a, a shower good... after death. My God. Yeah. No official. Yes, queen. There's no official word on what made this dead man's penis so gasp worthy, but our cos- <laughs> queer tease correspondents are investigating. The, the <laughs> nurses. The nurses were not fired for ogling. But they were suspended, and the hospital's press office worked hard on the following prepared statement. Quote, their actions, which violate our policies and our code of conduct, were promptly reported to appropriate governmental authorities, including the Denver Police Department and the Colorado State Board of Nursing. uh, And the part... (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing at this. You can't even read it. The, The patient's next of kin has been notified. Notified that they were staring at his dick. Yeah, excuse me, um, your husband who just died. His dick is so big. His dick is so big that all of the nurses couldn't stop staring at it. We're sorry for your loss and congratulations on all those years. That's another question for Michael Lucas. What do you do with dead cock? Shade. Police determined there was insufficient evidence to prove that a crime had been committed. Well, how do you prove someone's staring at a, a dying man's penis? I don't know. But he was exceedingly well, endo- well endowed. Um, How do we and know now he's gone. And so we, 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 um, we express condolences. We do? Particularly to his wife. How do we know it wasn't just For the big, loss of that big, beautiful cock. A big wart, wart on that. Thing. Oh, that's disgusting, Jeff. Why do you got to ruin it? Why do you got to ruin it? I'm sure it wasn't. Everybody a, thinks it was size they were staring I think at. Maybe no, it was an anomaly. No, the article says he was clearly well endowed. Oh, clearly? How so? It ruffled right. through the sheets? We're going to move on. Okay. Well, how do we clearly Jeff, I know? I don't know what you took today, but you're fucking bouncing off the walls. Jesus. All right. Speaking of cock, Jeff, do you know what scrotox is? Yes. It's when they inject uh, that stuff that they put in your face. Botox. Botox. Into your scrotum because it's supposed to increase your sexual excitement during sex. You're close. The reason that the Botox is injected is to smooth out wrinkles and make your balls hang lower. That's the medical reason. The real reason. Well, this is according to Toll Road, which ran the story. That's what they tell the insurance company. Basically, it's aesthetics. Men want to have their uh, want their scrotum to be a little bit, bit smoother, and they want the testicles to be more descended and to look bigger, but not bigger like longer. Uh, they they're described as being sort of a bulldog testicles look. A number of patients, though, have complained that they're having um, sexual problems. With the scrotum, uh, oh, I'm sorry. A number of patients come in because when they have sex, their scrotum becomes very tight, yes. and the testicles hide inside their body. This actually happens to me, uh, so they feel kind of ashamed, <laughs> and they want the scrotox, Bottom. which makes everything. No, I'm sometimes a top. Um, to keep they, the balls out. Yes. Um, so, uh, but the problem is, there are some people who uh, regret this because they say it, it, the balls are very loosey goosey. When they hang, and I wouldn't want this because when I, when I'm not hard, my balls hang, frankly, a little lower than I need them to I've be. I've sat on my balls before. They're that low. Yes. Wow. And do you like that, or do you no. wish they were tighter? I wish they were tighter, but I would not be squirting Botox into my ball sack. See, absolutely not. I like, uh, w- in terms of other people's balls, I like a big, firm ball sack. I like when it's like a baseball. 
Yeah. You know how baseball is kind of hard? Yeah. But yet ample. So the sack sufficiently fits. Yeah. The balls. But I don't want ha- I don't want like loose Low hangy balls. Yeah, no. Like that's freaky. It is. And um, wrinkles? I don't care if I'm wrink- if my balls are wrinkled. I mean, all balls are wrinkled, aren't they? By definition. Some balls are very smooth. When you when you find a nice set of smooth balls, I've never it's a ever lovely... in my life seen a set of smooth balls. Oh, JB, please weigh in. My boyfriend has smooth balls. I was just like, what? oh my god! Yeah. How old is your boyfriend? Twenty three. Yeah, oh, that's I mean, why. to have yeah. the balls of a twenty three year old yeah. again, that would be my dream. But even at twenty three, I thought my balls were still sufficiently wrinkled as they were supposed to be. Some people just have wrinkly balls, um, and that leads us to our next story. A man in Belgrade. I guess that's Yugoslavia, uh, got quite a shock after he went into the hospital for a routine nose job. He was left with a, an unwanted side, side effect, which was a, an erection that wouldn't go down. Ever. How? It was a permanent erection. How does this happen? His name was Nevin Chikanovich, and he was filming a documentary for something called Channel 4 about cosmetic surgery. And he was left with what's called priapism, which is a permanent erection, after the operation. Uh, he said, I was in, oh, it actually happened in Iran. He was in Iran for rhinoplasty for the documentary. It's a confusing fucking story. But basically, he now has a permanent erection. He hopes that the mishap will be the start of an international career for himself, although we're not quite sure why. Um, if I could pick my nose to a constant erection, I'm, I'm all for it. If you could pick your nose? I'm just saying, like, if there's some nerve that they're working on when you have rhinoplasty... You would not want a constant erection. I, of course not, but I'm just saying. It would be very... There are worse things in life that could happen I don't than even, a constant erection. I don't even like when I take Viagra and it's erect... And it lasts for longer. You know, for, yeah. like, hours, and then you're like, True. okay, enough. True. But speaking of a permanent erection, it's time to welcome our in-studio guest... He is a performer, director, activist, columnist, and documentary filmmaker, one of the world's best-known entrepreneurs, and the king of Lucas Entertainment, which is now celebrating 20 years. Please welcome the one and only Michael Lucas. Come on. Where's the applause, JB? Hello, hello. How are you guys? Michael. Hi, Adam. Welcome. Thank you for those applause. Welcome to the ass. Fake applause. You are dressed scantily, as I asked you to be. Thank you. Are you You said you were wearing a jockstrap. No, I don't. No, I I have taste. I don't wear jockstraps. Are you anti-jockstrap? I'm very much anti-jockstrap. On me, on myself. Do you ever have them in your movies? No. Why 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 do you not like them? Well, I don't think anyone looks good with without an ass and with a little cloth in front. I don't know, but that's just me. I mean, I fuck guys, you know, in jockstraps. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't wear them. I think on a really beautiful ass, a jockstrap can look great, but I, I agree with you. I think the front is never really flattering. No. Right. Know. It's unless never made of good material or anything like that. Yeah, it unless it's like a sock I think, that I think, I, think that I think the front uh, looks good. Uh, I mean, backs look good. If the ass is good, looks good without. Jockstrap. My, much better without jockstrap, no? So you're a, a boxer brief or a briefs kind of guy? Mm, uh, both. both. Depends. As Depends. As, as long as the ass fills. As long as ass is not exposed, yes. Okay. Either be naked or in the underwear, right? I, mean, I get it. Jeff, make sure you turn the laptop toward Michael so the people I in the chat room can <laughs> view can him in all his glory. Can you give me five minutes? Michael just came from the gym. Yes. Now, did. did you shower afterwards? So Why, you're you nice and ripe. I do. I want to smell it. I do. Okay. Want to smell what my foreskin? 
Uh, oh. You don't have foreskin. I do. You're a good Jewish I, boy. I am a good. No, well, not all Jewish boys are good, but uh, are nice. Not all Jewish boys are nice. <laughs> That's certainly but, true. But but you know, uh, yes, right. I, I'm um, in Russia. Jews were very often not circumcised because it was complicated in the Soviet Union, and uh, my parents, just like many parents, didn't want to expose us to you know more trouble than necessary. I had no idea you were uncut. Yeah, I'm uncut. Because when you're hard, when you're, well, yes, but when you're hard, uh, do you like do you like Mimona? I'm actually f- a fan of the circumcised Good. dick. I have to say, I'm a, I'm a traditional what? Jewish boy from New Jersey. But Michael, let's go back to uh, yeah. to your roots in Russia because um, you have kind of an unlikely story. I mean, mm-hmm. you're a, you're a, a young Jewish boy growing up in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Who becomes a porn king in the United States? I hate that thing. You don't like porn a, a king. Gay porn king. I'm uh, now. I hate that even more. See, <laughs> but, but how, would, how would you describe yourself? Uh, depends. What my identity is? No, not your identity. My firstly is oh, okay. Work-wise, I mean, I I produce gay porn. Right. Yes. Yeah, I have a company. I own the company that produces, you know, kick-ass gay porn. It's a very successful company, so yeah. that's why I'm calling you a Thank king. Thank you. And 20 years is, is impressive in any business, especially this Thank business. You. Yes. We hear, over the years, we've heard so many like horror stories about people who work in porn. Right. There's drugs. There's yeah. suicide. There, there's been that murders. Too. There's that been too. porn-related murders. How do you survive and, and avoid all of that craziness and all of that sort of... It's, it's showbiz uh, uh, Part of you know it, it, it's it's related to show business that it happened everywhere. Oh, you what? I were just taking a shower. I didn't know I'm. Okay, we're right? showing you to the chat. All right, yeah, well. the chat. There's okay. all twelve of them want to see what you look like. <laughs> okay, good. Out of the gym. Hello. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm saying it's 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 showbiz. Like look look. I mean, uh, from Elizabeth Taylor to you name it. You know all this. You know. So many celebrities are in and out of rehab and saying stupid things and being drunk and, you know, stop for drunken driver, driving. I mean, it's, it's, it's something what has to do with show business. I, so I, I, we just you. don't. Yeah, go ahead. So do you allow drugs on your movie set? Of course not. Okay. Of course not. I mean, we have a drug test. So if we, if we think that someone is, you know, behaving suspiciously, we ask them to pee in a in a cup. In a cup and immediate drug. And test. then, if you are drunk, uh, I mean, if you are on substance, then we ask you to drink it. And but what home. I'm a- what I'm asking, gotcha. Michael, though, is that what is it about you that yeah. has protected you from mm-hmm. what can what can sometimes be a very dark industry? Uh, that I never did, you know, I never did drugs. I never drank. I don't drink. I never even. Start, tried. That's it, just water, by the way. You're, yeah, I know. You're welcome uh, to it. That's why I brought my own. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, okay. I just decided very early in my life that um, I, I don't want to because I think I have a dic- addictive personality. So I decided that it's safer not to try something I might like and not be able to get off it. Because and and it was a good decision because I see so many people that got into trouble i mean many can do recreationally but a lot of people and you know moderately but a lot of people can't and it's not worth trying for me for myself and i think that's what uh kept me that that's i think one of the reasons i'm successful is that i'm there you know i don't drink i don't do anything and i sleep at night I don't well. go. I sleep. Well, I sleep fine. I don't go to clubs. So you yeah. have been an outspoken advocate against drugs, mm-hmm. and for many years you were an advocate, a, a very strong proponent mm-hmm. for people wearing condoms, mm-hmm. both on and off screen. Right. And then 
you, you changed your position on mm -hmm. that. Talk about that and, and how that how that transition came mm -hmm. about. Well, I stand very much for safe sex. And um, now uh, the good thing about today is that people that there are more than one ways to protect yourself. Yes. So there's a choice and choice is always a good thing. So today you have Truvada prep. Right. And I'm on prep for the last five years. And then, and also, we do know now. It's a great knowledge that um, you don't uh, that undetectable people uh, cannot give you the virus. Right. So you see, there are there, there's a choice of protection, which is fantastic. So uh, I think we we now we switch to sex without condoms, uh, but you know, it it took us time. We wanted to make sure that this is something and that works. And what does that do for the bottom line? How does that do for well, the porn industry? Like sex without condoms, is that uh -huh. is that more bang for your buck there in terms uh, of well being a porn producer? I think if I would have switched earlier, when you know, people when in the beginning when when companies were just switching, then it would have been much more money than I'm making now because that was something new. Today you can't surprise anyone with this, uh, right? Because Lucas Entertainment was one of the last studios to start making bareback films. Right. I mean, one few. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I don't think it was, you know, an economic mm. thing for you. I think you really passionately just, believed yeah. that people should wear condoms if there's a chance they can contract HIV. Yeah. And PrEP has changed that Absolutely. Um, tremendously. Absolutely. And it was very controversial in the beginning. I remember I wrote an article about that once I went on, on PrEP, and I wrote an article about that for, I think, Out Magazine. And then I was invited to um, Huffington Post uh, you know, life. They invited me to right. to speak about that, and they were complicated. You know, they were asking me, you know, strange questions uh, about prep, and I told them, "Look, prep is not claiming anything but HIV protection from HIV. It's not, you know, claiming to be a drug that protects you from STDs. You know, and so and protection from HIV is the most important thing. That's what you know. So many people could have been. S imagine how many people would s would have lived if prep would exist back in the 80s right or in the early 90s so do you feel people are more irresponsible sexually now that they're on prep versus when there wasn't prep what i th feel is that people are, are liberated from fear that they had for so well for 20 years right i had fear of having sex for the last 20 years sure. and i don't think people should have fear by having sex it should be enjoyable process and not you know, and, and, and not something where you have sleepless night and I was always shaking uh, whenever I would go to get tested. And yeah, I think I many people experience that even when they think that they didn't do anything wrong. It, and it's amazing to be liberated from that. It's, you know, uh, I, I w until 40, until 40, I was uh, always afraid of uh, getting HIV. You, because because it comes with some with such stigma. Yes. You know that's um, the worst thing about HIV. So, one of the great things about PrEP is that people uh, that HIV positive that, that it will eliminate the stigma. So See, that's what very I feel important. Is that now that there's PrEP, people mm -hmm. don't even have the conversation like, "Hey, when was the last time you were tested?" Blah blah blah. They mm -hmm. they feel that since they don't have to worry about it, mm -hmm. that they never even have to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you find that? also to be true or do you find that liberating as you were describing are you asking about his personal well, life or on the f on the set of his or films or no no not 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 let's I, I never aside, I like never personally. I never ever asked anyone about the HIV status because I I, I 
it's very personal issue. It's not of my business. Unless I'm getting serious with someone, with someone sure. he probably would let me know. But I would never ask such questions when, uh, if it's just you know, uh, you know, sex. But first of all, it's what is what is going to do? It's going to, I mean, into I mean today. First, before I was using condoms, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't matter. And today doesn't matter at all because I'm on prep. Right. So and this is very serious issue. I mean, people. My ex, he was positive, and you know, he told me that. One of the biggest fears for him was, you know, that the moment when he has to tell someone that he's positive. Right. And he said that about 80% of people that are negative will either say right away no or just would not call back. Okay. So. I, I feel like that's changed quite a bit, though, because of prep. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm paused myself, and yes. I know that there was a time mm-hmm. when people were very skittish, mm-hmm. and now they're kind of like, great, let's fuck without condoms. I want to switch to a lighter topic. And it's really great that you're open about that. That's so important. Yeah, we had a long conversation about yeah. it before you got here. <laughs> no, I but I want to switch to something lighter, which is this. Michael, people have all kinds of fantasies about what it takes to audition for yeah. porn. And, mm-hmm. of course, you've got a number of mm-hmm. films that mm-hmm. address this topic. But in real life, mm-hmm. how does a person become a, a Michael Lucas, a Lucas Entertainment actor? How does somebody yeah. get into porn for you? I well, was in one of your movies, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> Good as for an extra. You. As, as, of course, yeah. a non-sexual extra. Which movie was that? Uh, I can't remember the name of Log it. it in. Adam <laughs> Kellyan came walking down like the, the stripper. He was a stripper. And then oh, that was all, oh, I remember this movie. It's called Gigolo because it has a storyline. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. My friend Chris was one of your... Uh, yeah. Yes. But yeah. So tell us how someone gets so, into... So, w- well, you know, those human newcomers, then, n- when, when someone never did the movie, I mean, there's a... You know, you go on my website, on Lucas Entertainment website, and then you click on become a model, and then there is a, uh, a casting form. You can go straight there, lucascasting.com, and then you fill out the form. And then, you know, we have about 30 casting applications a day. Wow. Yeah, a so lot. A lot of video to look Back in the days, day. it will be like two, <laughs> you know. Right, so you, look at, so you look at someone's photos, I assume, mm. and you mm-hmm. go, okay, this guy's hot, mm-hmm. come in and meet with me. Aside from well, hotness, though, well, what I, you know, know, shush, they, they, I want to hear the process. They put like five applications a day on my table. Because okay. No, it's a pre-selecting process. Right. And then um, I select one or two, and then I actually Skype with, 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 with people, you know, <laughs> because that's something I trust. I don't trust others to, you know, interview. What kind of Skype is this? It's very good Skype. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, that's <laughs> we always te- we always tell people that we need good connection or you know good internet connection, uh, <laughs> because I have no patience for bad internet connection. But when you bring them in, yeah. and you meet them in person, that's already in production. I, I assume they get naked for in you in production. It's already. So I don't bring anyone them. before. No, okay. no casting. Now it's Skype. It is Skype. Now let's because people live all over the world. Now let's say because on our mainstream mm. film. Mm-hmm. This happens very often where an actor is cast mm-hmm. and the director, after a couple of days of shooting, says, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm sorry, this yeah, isn't well, working out. Does, oh, that do you ha- does that have to happen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very often, you know, we get, you know, we get through the scene and then we tell the person that it, it doesn't happen actually that much. But, hap- but maybe one time in within production, you know, we shoot every other month, every second month. 20 scenes so i would say you know 22 20 25 guys in each movie and then you know it happened maybe once in every production that you know someone is just wrong and we're you know it's always we're very sorry always but and what would be the re- like what would be the main reason why someone would get fired from a porn set 
Like they're well, not sucking well enough or they're... It depends. I mean, well, it, fired would be if someone is rude or have a short temper, then we fire for sure. But that, that's, that's a different thing, right? right. But if you know, sexually, uh, no, if someone just cannot understand this, the formula, which is, you know, separation of bodies and how to move yourself, you know, uh, uh, so that it's because it's sex for camera. It's choreography. So they can't take direction. Uh, if someone does, yeah, you know, we explained how to do it before. I think we actually have a clip from, from one of your movies. Let's hear a little bit from uh, <laughs> Unsuited Raw. Jesus. Okay, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so Great lines. <laughs> yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like now, Michael, it's like Shakespeare. Oh, yes, so yeah. much rehearsing. We no. sent this this script about the week before. <laughs> now, do you yeah. have an actual oh. script most of the time? Uh, if it is a storyline, yeah. And and is it always a storyline? You, well, yes. you know, Michael's done some yeah. big budget porn where there's actually right. non-sexual scenes. Yeah. And, but but um, do you find that you're more verbal? On screen or in your personal life? Oh, I, I, I am very verbal in my personal life. Very verbal, and uh, I like when my partner is verbal, too. Yeah. Because you don't, you're not particularly verbal in porn. It's, you, you sort of let the really? sex speak for... I feel like... I've compared no, to I some, think I'm verbal. I uh, mean... No, maybe not. Maybe perhaps you're not your standards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm verbal, honey. I like okay. you. Tell me what obviously, to do. Obviously, you are. In the time and I would be more verbal with you because it's all about, you know, what your partner exactly. likes. And that's what it reaction. is. Reaction. I like to be called well, a filthy little whore. I like reaction. I, I, have, I have ideas for you. Michael, we have like... You fucking little bitch. That per- oh, I just came. Yeah, you shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> shut the fuck up and suck this big cock. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. came. I just came in my yeah, house. Yeah, Michael, yeah. we have like a minute left. I just want to ask you this. That's your problem. You, you, that's you, your mistake. <laughs> that's your big mistake. <laughs> You've always you've always been very yeah. outspoken mm-hmm. about many topics, including mm-hmm. politics. What are your right. feelings on Donald Trump? Well, obviously, like every normal person would think, he is a he is an you know an embarrassment to American presidency. I'm I mean, so to, glad bring, you said to, br- that. to bring to bring American presidency so low. That's embarrassing. I'm glad you said that because many people see you as a neoconservative, as someone I, who... I, I am on many issues, I'm neoconservative, but I do, you know, most of neoconservatives are actually hating Trump and I'm embarrassed that he is a, you know, that he, he's, he's a president and he's a leader of Republican Party. And that's very embarrassing. Well, so, yeah, absolutely. I'm, do they really think so? That's, that's bad. That you might be a Trump supporter? Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Well, because I've heard you say that you support the Muslim ban, for example. No, I never said that. I said I would, suppo- I, I would suppo- uh, support a Muslim ban on every Muslim country, on Saudi Arabia, starting with Saudi Arabia. And it's really pretty bad that uh, Saudi Arabia is our biggest friend. That's pretty embarrassing. The but country that, country that, uh, you know, country that is biggest violator of human rights yeah, we have the biggest em- why, embassy. But, but the why, biggest embassy but in the United States is Saudi Arabia. Why ban Saudi citizens or citizens from any Muslim country if they want to mm-hmm. escape that mm-hmm. repression and come here the way that you came here from Russia? Uh, because 98% of uh, Saudi Arabian, of, of population of Saudi Arabia be- believe in Sharia laws. You don't want uh, s- people that believe in Sharia shari- laws in America, this because is that's this, this is, is nothing to do. This is nothing to do with our values, and and that's why I, I don't think we should 
take from this pool of people? Well, this, this is a topic for another time. We sure. need to wrap up. Michael Lucas, thank you. Congratulations thank you. on 20 years. Um, next week, we will have another live show. We'll be talking to two of my favorite funny ladies, Joanne Filan and Irene Bremis. One is straight, the other is gay, and you'll have to wait until next week to find out which is which. I want to thank Jeff, Katie, JB, Gwen, and all of you listeners, and Michael Lucas for joining us today on The Ass. Have a great week, bitches. Hello.